Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, welcome to Strength to Strength again. We're so glad to have you join us again to hear some more about the exciting stuff happening in the kingdom of God. We're, uh, we're honored this morning to have Charlton join us from Boston, Massachusetts, Charlton Sweezy, and uh, he's going to be talking to us about a uh, new uh, resource to be using in study courses with uh, new believers and possibly even just uh, uh, believers in the faith as a way of a discipleship tool. Their family spent seven years in Kampala, Uganda. And, uh, he was involved in the, uh, discipleship platform there called the Antioch Resource Center. And, uh, we're glad to have him on and excited to hear about this, uh, tool they've been working on. So with that, we'll join or we'll begin with prayer and then we'll turn it over to you, Charlton. All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity again to gather together and to hear about um, things happening in your kingdom. Help us, Lord, to catch a vision for um, ways that we can um, introduce the gospel and the teachings from your word into people's lives. Help us, Lord, to have a passion for the lost and and to pour our energy and zeal into connecting with them around us and to um, use the tools that we have to teach them the many good things about the kingdom of God. Bless uh, Brother Charlton this morning as he shares with us and uh, bless their work as they uh, prepare this this resource and may it go out and uh, not return unto you void and be used to draw souls into your kingdom. We just ask that you would bless this talk this morning and each one who's joined, and uh, may your will be done and your name glorified. We pray this all in Jesus' name. All right, over to you, Charlton. Well, great. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me to come on here and have this uh, opportunity to to share with everyone. Uh, I've been receiving a lot of uh, messages and emails over the I would say over the last couple of months just asking about the creation to, to new creation curriculum. So I'm not I'm not exactly sure how how it got um, popularized or <laughs> or the, the word of it um, got out. But that has uh, put a burden on me to be able to uh, get it to a point or develop it to a point where it can actually be accessible. So, so I'll just say from the, the outset, it is a, a work in, in progress. And, and I do hope with a team of other people to be able to hopefully be able to make it something that is <clears throat> easily, uh, accessible so that it can be used. Um, it's been a, a very helpful tool for us. And, and I'll say, I mean, I'm not necessarily a, um, a lot of these are not original thoughts with me i just i've simply been able to uh pull together and synthesize uh a lot of other great people's ideas and 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 work uh in a way that uh, has helped us in Kampala specifically uh to 
disciple people and ultimately to to give people the the bigger picture to understand that the narrative the story of the scriptures and how that relates to our own lives our own stories and what christ is is calling us to in his kingdom and i see brother john d martin is on on this call he's been his material over the years has been heavily influential uh among others and in, and in helping to uh to shape this so maybe I'll, I'll um, if and feel free if you have any questions as I'm sharing here, feel free to interject with with any questions. Um, but maybe I'll I'll start out with uh, the the desire or the burden for creating a curriculum um, like this that we used in in Uganda. Uh, part of it is just there there hasn't really, at least from my experience, there hasn't been a lot of good material that has a a kingdom focus to it uh and being able to connect the the stories of the bible connecting the old testament to the new testament uh being able to see this bigger picture that is at play and one of the main challenges um that we face there in Kampala and I know this is uh not just unique to Kampala I think this is uh, probably across the board um and maybe uh maybe more challenging in some places than other is just a a basic understanding of the Bible, and we could just call that biblical literacy, uh, just being able to understand uh, all of the, the books of the Bible. How do they relate to one another? What is the story that is stretching from Genesis all the way to Revelation? And maybe let me, uh, I'm going to go ahead and share my screen here. Uh, let's see here, in just a moment. So um, this is actually the the artwork design that one of our brothers in Kampala in the church there uh, painted uh, to be able to kind of even from the cover just to kind of get this concept of thinking about uh, creation to, to new creation. And the reason we, we called it creation to new creation is is honestly we're, we're trying to push back against that the general narrative um, you know, similar to kind of what the, I, I'm going to probably oversimplify it here, but you know, the four spiritual laws that, um, we've, we've been created. God loves us. Um, there's a problem. That problem is called sin. Uh, God took care of that problem by sending Jesus. And, uh, now you have this opportunity to, to go to heaven. While there are some, some truth elements within each of those bullet points, if you will, um, it falls short of, of actually being able to, to lift up what the, the story of scripture is, what, uh, what Jesus's work, uh, is doing as he's, he's coming, uh, to bring in the, the kingdom of God, to bring in the new creation. And so we, we felt like, uh, that, you know, calling it creation to new creation really captured that essence that, hey, we're going from the garden, which is you can see it in that picture is on one side. Um, and as we we go from the garden, uh, you know, we there is there is a problem that that happens. You know, man is is expelled from the garden. Um, we have to go through through death, which is symbolized in, in baptism um, and also the cross rising up again um, with the newness of life, the resurrection, which is situated, um, as you can see, just underneath there uh, with the city on a hill that is uh, at the top of it. 
And so, um, and that's actually the Kampala skyline there. Um, so if you haven't seen the Kampala skyline, you have the opportunity <laughs> right there. Um, but anyway, that was, so a brother in the church there in Kampala, his name is Samson, uh, painted this and we thought it was just a, a great, uh, illustration. And so that's what we used as our, uh, cover for, for the workbook that we just recently finished. Uh, but as I was saying before, the, the problem that we were running into, uh, especially in our work there is just basic, uh, biblical literacy, uh, being able to understand the books of the Bible, uh, being able to understand their individual stories and how those stories fit into a, a grander, uh, story. And then ultimately, well, what does that mean for us? Um, you know, and because I'm one of those people that if, if we can't get practical with it, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I get excited about things, but, but I get a lot more excited when we can get, get practical. And when, when you slow down and start to understand, um, how all of these stories fit together leading up to the story of Christ and the new creation and the redemption and, and the kingdom coming and how that kingdom is to, is to be something that's permeating everything here right now. Um, it's just, I get really excited about it. And so, this next slide um, is actually a slide that I we start the course out there when we when we kind of just start out basically talking about how we got the scriptures and how do we what's the the need for um, studying the scriptures because Paul says study to show yourself approved a workman that need not be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth so that takes some effort and some work and some um, uh, studying on our part to to do that and. I, I show this photo and everybody's probably looking at it saying there's something wrong with his with his slides because all I'm seeing is just a, a white screen. And uh, I start with a question. I ask, uh, what does this what is this a photo of? And most people, as I'm sure most of you um, could probably give it a, a really educated guess. But without you probably there's probably no one who's going to have 100 percent clarity uh, or 100% confidence to say, ah, I know exactly what that is. Now, I, as the, as the teacher can stand up here and, and tell you what it is. And you're going to have to just accept what that is. And for most people, that's what their Christian experience, or at least in East Africa has been their Christian experience is that the person who is up front, he's the one who knows how to read and understand the word of God. And so we just have to take whatever he says. Um, to be truth, whether or not it is or isn't. And so um, if if this is my view or my understanding of, of the picture, um, I'm I'm only dependent on him telling me what that picture is. And so if it's somebody that's that's being honest, that has that knows Christ, you know, hopefully they're giving an ac- accurate per- picture. Um, but as we know, um, there's many false teachers. Uh, prosperity gospel is something there in Uganda that is um, uh, very popular, uh, as well as the hyper grace message. And so I'll give students a little bit of uh, time to to guess what this picture is. And I'll take them to the next slide and say, OK, well, what's what is this picture of? And uh, they'll make some guesses and and I'll say, well, what if what if I told you this is a, a picture of a train uh, and they'll think about it and they'll say, mm, I'm not I'm not so sure. Is that a train? And so then I say, OK, well, let me let me back up a little bit and say, OK, I've zoomed out on the 
the picture some. And so now what is this a picture of? And so then people start uh, guessing that, oh, you know, this kind of this might be the sky. I'm looking at some clouds here. Um, so so maybe this is a sky. OK, well, maybe maybe there is a picture of a train in this picture. And so, um, you know, I, I equal this to starting to get a little bit more understanding, a little bit more perspective about the, the scriptures um, their their horizons are are broadening and and so now they can start to discern a little bit more and so we zoom out on this the other picture that that second picture that was uh, zoomed in on and we say oh hey this is grass okay so if the first picture that was really zoomed in on was the sky and the second picture was the grass we can start to connect those two pictures at least we you know if we're um, in our own terms we can understand grass is on the ground the sky is in the air. Um, but we, we still have a lot of potential of giving the wrong application or the wrong interpretation to these things because we're really only looking at it through a very small view. It's not until we actually are able to step back and see the entire picture at play that then we can start to go and, and give proper application and interpretation to its parts. And so now if I, I zoom out, zoom and, uh, we have these four pictures, that first one, was just basically white. Now we can see that was of the sky. The second one was zoomed in on the grass. We can make sense of what that is, but we can see there's no train in the picture. Um, it was a, a picture of a lighthouse. And so now that we have seen the whole picture, we're at a much better vantage point, a much better place where we can begin to interpret the parts now. Um, I hope that makes sense as an illustration. And that that really was the kind of the burden for developing this curriculum was we need to to have a way where when we're discipling people. I mean, uh, the the Old Testament is the scriptures of the Christians. It's not the, the Hebrew scriptures or the, the Old Testament is the scriptures for the Jews and the New Testament is the scriptures for um for the uh for the Christians because you know we don't it's not until we turn to Matthew that we we actually open the pages and we we meet Jesus and so those are our scriptures no the entire bible i mean Jesus talks about that all scripture points to him he's like you diligently seek the scriptures thinking that in them you might find life not recognizing that those scriptures point to me so the the value that we have um of the hebrew script i i, I like calling it the hebrew scriptures um because I think it just kind of sets up rather this old and new, even though we have this old and new covenant at play, but there's so much that's, that's going on there. Um, and when we, when we start from page one, um, in the creation story, there is so much that we can, so much wisdom and so much, um, that we can learn from that story that should propel us to, uh, to really approach the new testament with this this light of recognizing that oh wow what you know what's happening in jesus is is really a a restoration and a returning to what was lost um are there some different elements and aspects absolutely but but really it's it's getting us back to uh god's original uh intention that he set out when he created um humanity in the garden so uh, let me stop screen sharing here. Did that, um, maybe I'll just, I'll pause there for just a moment. Did that illustration make sense? 
Yes, uh, thank you for that, Charlton. That's um, very interesting. I didn't know at first where you're going with the, with the white screen, but that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, excellent. Yeah, and and it's and I think you know even in my my own journey, I you know for many years spent um, uh, was was in that limited perspective box where like I don't know how all these books connect to each other. I don't know how this story makes sense with this story, and you know it's just this. But when you when you actually step back and it's like, okay, now I know the 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 picture, where we're going, what it is, and now I can begin to zoom in on each of these parts and and be able to give proper interpretation. And when you do that, especially with the Old Testament, and that's okay, so so that's I think why one of the big problems is uh, of why we have so many false teachers and prosperity gospel and all these other things that are running rampant is because people don't have that bigger picture in mind is one part. Um, they don't know their Bibles. They're putting too much um, trust that the person in front of them at the podium or wherever um, should be the one telling them what to do rather than them studying the scriptures on uh, on their own to come to some conclusions. But there's there's a a manipulation and a um, wrong approach that's happening with with the Old Testament. You know, for example, understanding that you have to embed the prophets into the story of exiled Israel to understand, you know, what they're battling, what's the situation, what's the circumstances, you know, what empire is at play? Are we dealing with Egypt? Are we dealing with Assyria? Are we dealing with Babylon? Is it Persia? What time period? Because the, the, the actual history, um, uh, informs the, the situations that are, um, that are happening in the scriptures are being informed by um, the the world events that are going on uh, around them. And to understand that in light of Israel's history, whether it's pre-exile, whether it's post-exile, um, you know, first temple, second temple, really does make a difference in how we approach the writings of the prophets and then begin to make sense of them as we, we look and turn the pages um, for uh, Jesus's coming. So, um, so, yeah, so that's where, uh, like I said, that was kind of the initial uh, thrust, if you will, of trying to put together uh, something to be able to take, uh, especially new believers um, or but but many times a lot of uh, people that attended our classes were not yet believers and to just be able to take them through uh, starting in Genesis and working our way through to Revelation. Um, that has been a very a helpful tool in that. Um, and when you when you start with the story of creation, um, like I said, I mentioned a, a little bit ago, it's not you know, if, if you if you take Genesis uh, one and you go to Revelation 22, um, the parallels, the bookends are, are, are almost identical. Uh, you know, you have Genesis one, you have uh, God creating the the domain for the humans the space for the humans to live in and his his desires for them to live in this world that he's created for them but to rule with him he wants he wants us to exercise his dominion his rule his reign um over creation and um to be able and we in the way that humanity is to be image bearers is to be fruitful to multiply fill the earth subdue and have have dominion and all that was premised upon God blessing them and giving them that that command and so as as we know how the story 
goes, you know, they they um, rebel against uh, what they are supposed to do. They disobey God. And that this has its own set of consequences and uh, that that set the story into a different place. But as you turn to Revelation 22, you know, we see a lot of the same elements. We see trees. Um, we see leaves for healing. We see rivers of water. And um, and it says that they will reign with him forever and ever. And it's talking about the, you know, the faithful saints who are in Christ will reign with him. And so really you take the chapter one and chapter 22, you could almost um, put the overlap them and you're going to get a very similar picture and and recognize that. See, we are going from creation to new creation. Um, so. Uh, that's that's kind of uh, one of the early frameworks, if you will, that we try to set out to give that picture. Uh, <clears throat> and then from there, once we've got those bookends, let's go ahead and start connecting the dots. So if, if this is the creation part, this is the new creation in, in Christ, um, you know, we, we stretch a storyline between them. Um, you know, within that, we're going to have laws and prophets. We're going to have prophecy. We're going to have, um, uh, history. There's, um, there's going to be tragedy there. You know, it's an epic narrative and we can begin to make sense of all of the, the individual parts. Once again, once we have that bigger picture. Did you have any um, any thoughts or questions from there or um, I can I can I I can get a little bit long winded at times. So I'm I'm pausing here. Yes. So um, one one question for you. Um, So because of the the epic story and um, and the fact that most people aren't acquainted with that. In fact, most people are only familiar with, like you said, the four spiritual laws and that way of thinking um what what does this mean for evangelism um like does um is there like a huge amount of background that people need to that people should understand before they uh, come to faith in jesus or is this things that um continue to develop over over a lifespan that's a that's a great question so um this i mean i yeah there's there's a few different ways probably to, to look at that. Um, when it comes to evangelism, you know, when we're just going out, uh, when we're dealing with, with people who are not believers, I mean, we, we try to lead with the, the gospel of the kingdom in and of itself. Um, and so the, the essence of this, this course is to give people, I mean, we, to, there we, we, we ran the course. Uh, in a way where people could sign up for it, people that had interest either in studying the Bible, whether they were believers or non-believers or whatever the case may be, they could sign up and, and begin to uh, understand uh, the scriptures and understand the Bible. Um, so it's, I would say it's a good discipleship tool um, if you have either new believers or just people who are wanting to, to have a better grasp of um, the scriptures, how the covenants relate to each other, how does the Edemic covenant relate to the Noadic covenant, relate to the Davidic covenant and to the Mosaic all the way into the new covenant. How do we, how do we make sense of those? Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say it's probably a, a great tool to, to walk around with. Um, I mean, it'll be helpful if you have, when you have that framework, 
um, but leading out with the uh, with the gospel of the kingdom. Now, but what what it does do is it gives you a a, a fuller sense and a better picture and a better understanding of of all that's happening by the time we get to Jesus and the gospel of the kingdom. Um, we have to understand, like you know, Paul has has the Torah in his mind. He has the story and the history of Israel in his mind. And, and the, the problem is when we read Paul's writings or when we read some of the, the things in the New Testament, we, we don't have, you know, we have to do the work to go and familiarize ourselves with, with those things. When Paul talks about, um, um, that uh, being justified uh, by faith. And, and what does that mean? Well, most people don't go back and embed that in Habakkuk, uh, the story of, uh, of Habakkuk or in Uganda, we say Habakkuk. Um, but, uh, but you know, that's, that story is totally embedded in, in, uh, Habakkuk. And, and if you go there, you know, it's, uh, Habakkuk's cry is that, Hey, how long, Oh Lord, are you going to wait? Your law is powerless. There's, you know, uh, all this injustice is happening. And, and the response in chapter two is, is God responding to him and saying, yes, I, I have a plan. Actually, I'm going to send the Chaldeans. I'm sending, sending Babylon, um, to take care of the, the, the problem. And all of a sudden the solution is now worse than the problem. And he's like, Babylon, I mean, they're, they're worse than we are. How is that going to fix this? And, and it's in the context of that, that this little statement that the just shall live by my faith, um, uh, that comes out of that. And, and all of a sudden you start to think, well, what, what does that mean? Because in the context of God sending Babylon to drink of, of that, that cup, that they they now deserve because they hit that point of no return by rejecting God, by rejecting his ways, um, by breaking the covenant. And so now the consequence, the curses um, of the the old covenant of the Mosaic law are are being uh, what they are receiving. And so in the midst of that, he's saying that there is a way um, there's a there's a, a way and the just shall live by his faith and that there'll be those who who are spared in some small way in whatever way God deems um that necessary and then if you begin to overlap that with the story of josiah and you find well okay this this is starting to make sense that okay so josiah is uh living in the time um before the the babylonian exile and um he sends his his men to go uh visit the prophetess uh holda uh to ask what is what is going to happen and and holda says that basically and i'm I'm, I'm not using biblical language here. I'm using my, my language. Um, basically, you've hit the point of no return. Um, Babylonians are coming. Exile's going to happen. Israel's going to be uh, destroyed and taken out of their land. But you, uh, basically, because of your faithfulness, you will go to rest with your fathers in, in peace, and you will not see the calamities that I'm about to bring upon the people of Israel. And so you start to see, okay, well, Josiah is one of those just who are living by by faith, he's 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 doing what is right uh, with the light that he has. He's he's turning his heart and his ways to Yahweh. And so now it's like we if we pull all that into the statement of Paul about the just living by faith and what that means, um, it starts to give a little bit different, I think, understanding, I think a fuller understanding than than maybe uh, what we typically have been uh, given from a reformed perspective. So. Um, going back to your question, I, I kind of think I kind of went off the, the question a little bit there, but going back to your question is that it, it's, it's a, it's a great tool 
um, for discipleship. It's a great tool for helping people to have some some way of of going through the scriptures and connecting the dots. Um, I, I've I've told a lot of the the students and um, brothers and sisters in the church there in Kampala that have gone through the course. Um, if this generates more questions than answers, that's okay. Um, and I won't be surprised if going through it, it does generate more, more questions, but that puts us at a good place. Like asking questions and having questions are, is not a bad thing. It's actually a, a good thing. And it, and it should be something that spurs us to want to go and discover and seek and find, um, those answers for ourselves and, and to do that in the context of, of a, of a group of faithful, um, believers, I think is a, is a wonderful endeavor. So for, for evangelism, I think what it does um, for the individual who, you know, um, like, let's just say uh, I'm going to use I know you guys have had Brother Jimmy and Siraj on on this platform before. Um, so I think what it has done for them is equip them more fully with uh, with the, the, the scriptures and um, the biblical narrative and more fully equip them to understand the the gospel of the kingdom to enable them to go out and and put it in terms that the the people that they're talking with and evangelizing to can try to understand it. So so I think it's a tool or a resource in that respect that can be utilized um, to enhance our efforts in um, in evangelistic endeavors. So um, no, I wondered if you had any comments on that. I mean, that's an old bromide that I've heard for. For years, and uh, it sounds like something like what you're talking about. The old, the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. The Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. And it, uh, the the uh, indication is that um, uh, there there is a great unity between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think I would probably in general, um, resonate and, and, and agree with that. It's, I think the, the more that you study the Old Testament, um, it gives you such, uh, so much more fuller view and picture of, um, the New Testament. And, and when we're talking about the, the approach, um, the way of interpretation, you know, when we approach it with a Christocentric view, um, you 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 can begin these stories in the Old Testament just start to come to life with in a whole new light, and then once again, yeah, you start reading the New Testament and you see there there's so much overlap um, between the two. Uh, whereas, I mean, I grew up most of my life, uh, you know, when I was I was younger, growing up, just you know, not at all thinking there was any sort of overlap. You know, the Old Testament, I know it makes up a big portion of the Bible, but it's kind of confusing. It's got a lot of weird stories and weird stuff that happens. There are some strange stories and weird things that happen. But, <laughs> um, but you know, that let's just kind of keep that on the shelf because really we meet Jesus on page one and that's where we should focus. And, um, and you know, by all means, yes, Jesus is, is the, you know, if we're going back to that, that photo illustration, Jesus is that, you know, that lighthouse in the center of the photo there. And, uh, and, and when we see that clearly, everything else can begin to be, uh, clarified. But it's also interesting to think about, you know, the statement, and I know a lot of people, um, kind of have trouble with this, but Paul says that the gospel was preached, uh, to Abraham. Um, and as far as I know, I, I don't read any time where, um, uh, 
there was, uh, you know, Jesus and him crucified that was preached to uh, to Abraham, at least that I find in the, the written text. Um, but when we start to understand uh, the good news of the kingdom and its grander perspective and what's happening and what God is doing, all of a sudden we recognize, wow, the gospel was preached to Abraham that in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed, that the blessing that was given in the creation story that that Adam and Eve forfeited. Um, and instead of having blessing, they receive curse. Um, God is is working now to bless essentially his enemies, to bless his enemies, those who have now who have turned away from him. God is still working uh, in a redemptive way to bless his enemies and restore that blessing. Um, and, and that's the gospel that's preached to Abraham. And that's realized in Jesus. So where where Israel fails, Jesus uh, succeeds. He's the resolution uh, to Israel's story. And so we can't um, separate the two. We have to take take it as a whole package. So, yeah, I would um, that would probably be my only main comment on uh, on your question. Thank you for for asking that. Thank you for that. Um, there's a great discussion here. Sure. So um, let me maybe I will. Pull up um, since the, the question of evangelism came up. Let me uh, I'm going to pull up one of our lessons here. Uh, let me screen share. Give me one moment. So one of the, oh, there we go. So one of the lessons that we do, this is once we get into the, into the New Testament. Um, and you know, we, we do view, uh, we see salvation as a process. I think if we, if we think about Israel's story, (laughs) their journey was definitely uh, a process and, you know, they, God didn't just, pluck them out of Egypt and and um, scoop them up and and place them into the promised land. I mean, there was a journey to be walked um, and there was a there was a process that that played out. And so as we as we think about that, we try to once again, pull all of that into um, into the stories, into the New Testament um, to understand uh, how God is is relating. And, and and that's an important key is is thinking about. Um, how does God have relationship with with humanity? And the answer is um, through covenant. Uh, the when when God calls his people out of Egypt um, and he delivers them out of the hand of Pharaoh, brings them to the base of Mount Sinai, um, he, he enters into a covenant with them and entering into a covenant is is uh, means he's entering into that that relationship. And the people are affirming it. They're also agreeing and wanting to enter into this covenantal relationship with Yahweh. And he says there that he wants to make them um, he wants them to be a kingdom of priests. And and that's Exodus 19. And so they're going to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. And. What happens as a result of once again, uh, man choosing their own way, um, us wanting to define good and evil on our own terms, um, and, and wanting to, uh, them wanting to have a, uh, a God that they can, they can see as Moses is up on the mountain. And so I think we're all familiar with, with what happens, uh, there. But instead of having a kingdom of priests, he gets a kingdom with priests. So, so right at, at, at the start here, um, it, this, 
this covenantal people that God is is forming um, is starting out already um, below uh, where God is is wanting things. Because once again, if if God's you know, if you're thinking about establishing uh, a nation um, anywhere in the world, you're probably not going to have want to have a whole nation of, of priests because you're not going to be able to defend your borders. You, you know, there's security issues, everything like that. But but God's plan within all that, which is the gospel to Abraham, once again, is to establish his blessing. And that's one a role that that priests play is is um, they are the, the connecting points to the divine, if you will. Um, they represent the people to God. They represent God to the people. Um, and they're ultimately the ones that are, are supposed to be dispensing, um, uh, blessings and, and such, uh, to, to the people. And so, so as, as the, the, the failure of having a kingdom of priests happens with the people, not with Yahweh, but happens with the people and their failure, he gets a kingdom with priests. And, and so from there, the, the story it, it continues on. And once again, like I said, as we find in the New Testament where Israel fails, Jesus succeeds. And, and that's where he's inviting us into this royal priesthood. I mean, you, you parallel Exodus 19 with, um, with Peter and Peter says, you know, you are a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people who are called to proclaim, um, the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his light. I mean, the language is, is, is so, uh, so much the same. Like you, you can't miss it when you actually lay them on top of each other. And so, um, so when we recognize we're a part of this, this royal priesthood and what that means, um, it begins for me, it begins to give a full, uh, so much more fuller sense of what the gospel is, uh, what salvation is, that salvation is a, means to an end, not an end in itself, that it's the reason God calls and saves his people out of Egypt was so that he could bring them out. He wanted them to be a kingdom of priests, and he wanted to situate them in the, in the middle of civilization so that they could manifest him to the rest of the nations around him, uh, around them, um, that they could actually be um, his own special people that would that would manifest who God is and his ways to the rest of the world. And so when you recognize, okay, well, Israel failed in that mandate, but Jesus has succeeded and is calling us into that mandate. That's exactly what Peter is saying. And so you start to see that all of a sudden salvation is this much, much fuller picture than what a lot of, uh, a lot of times what it gets sold as, like, like with the, with the focus on the, uh, the four spiritual laws or just this, you know, hey, when you, you know, God loves you. He has a plan for your life. Um, you've sinned. God dealt with that sin through Jesus' death on the cross. And if you just accept this free gift, um, you get to go to heaven when you die. And it's, that's just not the story the Bible uh, is telling us. Yes, God loves us. Yeah, God's got plans, definitely. And we can we can join in those, those plans. Um, we do have sin issue, a sin issue that has to be dealt with. We do have to repent. We do have to turn to Christ and surrender everything and walk in faith. Um, but all of that is for a purpose to to enable us to now manifest the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, not waiting for some future place when it's going to be when it's going to be grand, because there is a future aspect to it. But it but it has its effect here and now. And so um, so one of the things that we we do as we get to the New Testament is I, I like to contrast what the typical 
Roman road versus the Jesus road to salvation. Um, you know, and in the Roman road, it's, it's, uh, and this is a bit of a simplification, but, you know, admit that you're a sinner, accept the free gift of salvation through the finished work of Jesus on the cross as payment for your sins, confess with your mouth and believe, um, that, that Jesus is Lord, pray asking Jesus to come into your heart uh, and be your personal savior, which there's never a time in the New Testament where it talks about personal. We've, we've very much have individualized that. Um, uh, we, we, I mean, we do individually have to come in Christ. Uh, we do have to individually um, respond and, and participate, um, but it's not about us. It's not about me. It's, it's, there's a much bigger picture at play. Uh, and then all your sins are forgiven and the gift of heaven is a sure thing for you. Um, I, that, I took that from someone, uh, who, who does a, a regular Romans road to, to bringing people into the kingdom. Whereas when we, when we look, when we contrast that with, um, the Jesus road, we see, sorry, I got to move this so I can see my screen here. I'll do that. Let me move this over. There we go. Okay. Um, so when we contrast that with the, um, still in the sorry, that the view of the, the people on my screen was in the way of, uh, of the text. Um, you know, if we just, if we just go through the book of Matthew and we just say, okay, well, let's just start with Jesus's, um, roadmap. Like let's, Let's look at how Jesus does evangelism. What does he say to people? How does he start? And how does that compare? And we see that, you know, his first call is a call to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then he's the next thing is he's calling people to righteousness. Matthew 5, 48, he's calling us to be perfect and complete. Matthew 7, he's saying, hey, this way is narrow and there's few that find it. And actually there's a broad road and there's many people who will go in by that. Well, that when I read that, I, I it, automatically draws me back to the story of um of the israelites as they are are making their way to the promised land and they go and they spy out and they send 12 spies into the land they come back 10 of them have a bad report and they just say hey there's giants there we're going to be the we're going to be dinner to those guys let's let's just uh, elect a new leader and let's go back to egypt and joshua and caleb the two Two out of that 12 said, uh, no, Yahweh's with us, guys. You know, the Lord has promised to deliver them into our hands. This we need to, to move forward. And, and instead of uh, heeding the voice of the few, um, the many want to uh, stone uh, the leaders, Joshua and Caleb. They want to stone them and, and uh, elect a new leader and travel back to uh, uh, back to Egypt, back to where they were, were enslaved, where God had already demonstrated his power towards them. And, you know, it's thinking about that for, for Jesus to be standing in front of the crowds and saying, hey, the way the way is narrow and there's few that are going to be find it. We have over 600,000 men of fighting age and only two of the original enter into the promised land. That should that should cause us to pause and think a little bit and go, wow, what is what is Jesus getting at when he's talking about this narrow way that leads to life? And then we see him, uh, Matthew seven, going on to say that obedience is life. Just because you call me Lord, Lord, doesn't mean that that um, that you know me. Uh, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So obedience is the way of life. Uh, Matthew 10, he's calling us to lose our life. Uh, if you seek to save your life, you're going to lose it. If you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. Um, Matthew 11, come to me, 
come to Jesus and learn of me for uh, I am meek and lowly. Take my yoke upon me. Uh, and, you know, the beautiful picture within that uh, is is thinking about, you know, what a, the purpose of what a yoke serves. You know, a lot of times I know in, um, in the developing world, you would see they would, uh, they would take a yoke and they would take an older, um, ox or an older bull, um, and, and they put it with a, a younger one. And the purpose of doing that was, was that that older one would, would tame and train that younger, uh, that younger calf so that they could learn, okay, here's what you do. And when, when, when he pulls this, you respond this way. When he pulls that way, you respond that way. And here's, you know, here's the labor that you're doing. And, and that's the picture that Jesus is saying, Hey, step into the yoke. You know, he's the greater. He's the teacher. And he's saying, step into that yoke with him. Take it upon us. And, and he's going to be right there with us. It's such a beautiful, um, concept to think about. Um, Matthew 13, we get into all the different parables, but this concept of sacrifice to gain, you know, it's, the kingdom of heaven, it's like a man that sees a treasure buried in a field and and he doesn't see a treasure buried in a field and and out of sorrow goes, oh, I have to sell everything and I have to go and buy that field. It says for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. Um, interestingly, too, in Luke, you almost have these parallel accounts, which I think they're actually positioned. Uh, I think the New Testament writers um, uh, or the as they compiled the scriptures that I think they were put together for, for good reason is that you have the story of um, the rich young ruler and the rich young ruler, as we all I think are familiar with. So I'm just going to quickly summarize it, but you know, comes to Jesus, Jesus, what good thing must I do to inherit uh, the kingdom of heaven or to, to enter into life and notice Jesus's answer. Like he doesn't say, Oh, it's very simple. Uh, say this prayer. Um, uh, if you uh, ask me to come into your heart, then you'll have like he doesn't say any of that. He tells him, well, you know, the commandments, you know, honor your father and mother. And he goes down the list and he says, well, these things I've done since my youth. And then uh, Jesus says, well, one thing you lack, go and sell what you have and give to the poor. And the man goes and walks away sorrowful. And, and his disciples are, are even wondering, well, you know, what what is this, Jesus? Well, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter uh, into life. Well, who then can can be saved? Well, with with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And then it goes into, well, we'll see. We've we've left hand home and land and family and all these things. And and the, the story goes on from there. But we can we can see a contrast of what happens when we continue and we read the story, the next story, which is the story of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is this short little man that, that climbs into a tree to 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 look at Jesus as he's coming into town. And and Jesus says, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm, I'm going to your house. And Zacchaeus's response to who Jesus is. I mean, we don't get a whole lot of of um, insight into exactly what their conversation consisted of the whole backstory necessarily. But nonetheless, the response of Zacchaeus to who Jesus is, is anybody that I have wronged, I'm going to restore back to them, not just what I took, but four times what I took. And then the rest I'm going to give to the poor. There's a contrast of those stories, and, and the answer of Jesus to him is, today, salvation has come to your house. So this concept of sacrifice to gain, what are you willing to give up to gain Christ, or what are you not willing to give up, in the rich young ruler's uh, example, to actually gain Christ, is a, a very biblical one. 
And I think it's a challenge. It was a challenge for us working in the developing world is many times we want to remove that element of sacrifice. Um, and, and when you do that, it's, it really does take away from that, that discovery. Uh, it's, it's takes away from them finding that treasure being buried in a field and, and for joy over it, selling all that they have and going to, to purchase that field. So I think it's a very important concept um, as we're thinking about evangelism and discipleship. So anyway, sacrifice to gain them from there, you know, take up your cross and follow me. And then uh, we see the Great Commission baptism um, to both cleanse and enter into um, the new covenant, into the kingdom. Uh, one of the important things that we do throughout the course, too, is we, we need to define our terms. Um, we can use a lot of these terms, faith, grace, um, uh, gospel, depending on what circles you're in, they can that that has a those can have totally different meanings. <laughs> um and so, you know, faith is the same word as faithfulness, loyalty, allegiance. That's that's the 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 uh, the biblical concept throughout the old and the new um, from faith to faith. Faith is not a, a new co- uh, concept that we we find in the New Testament. <clears throat> faith is a, a concept that is developed in the Old Testament um, all the way back to um, many of the, the patriarchs uh, gospel is uh, the good news. Jesus is uh, simply just means good news. But what is that good news? The good news is Jesus's kingship, that there is a king, you know, uh, Acts 17. Um, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Um, and they're co- acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar saying there is another king. That's the proclamation that they're walking forward with. They have Israel's story in their mind and they're saying, <clears throat> saying, hey, Psalm 72, like the righteous king has come. He's here. And and that's what the proclamation is. Uh, repentance. Repentance is a change of mind that produces a change of action. It's not just simply saying sorry. That might be part of it. But repentance is I want I'm going one way. Now I'm going a completely other direction. Um, I, I, I try to use an example to illustrate this, um, it's kind of hard because we're all not sitting in the same room uh, in Kampala. It's a little easier because I can point to the road outside. But if uh, at least you all know, I'm I'm in Boston right this moment. And if if I said, hey, um, after this, I'm going to uh, I'm going to travel to uh, Canada and uh, I think I'm going to I think I'll travel south to go Canada to, to go to Canada. I think all of you would be like, south to Canada, Canada's north, <laughs> you know, and so you, but once, once my mind's changed about that, it'll be a change of mind that then will produce a, a change of direction. So Glenn will, Glenn will maybe be like, um, hey, Charlton, you mentioned on that call, you're going to Canada. I'm just going to let you know, you're really taking the long route if you go south. If you go south, you're going to go to Florida and um, it's going to be a while before you get to Canada. And then you're going to have to get a boat and all this other stuff. And once he's convinced me that, oh, wow, I'm not I'm not thinking right. He's changed my mind. Now, what does that do? Maybe I should go north. Maybe I should not go south. I should try to go go north. So um, I don't know if that illustration works on Zoom or not, but <laughs> hopefully you get the concept that we, we have to bring definition into these terms. And and I think that's the other thing, uh, even as we're thinking about evangelism, is that um I think we assume that people know what these things mean. And 
And I would venture to say that, especially when we're just out in, in the world and in the, the place that we, that we live, the time and age, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people may have heard these terms. They've gone to church. They've heard this. They, they may have heard these terms, but they don't know what these things mean. And, and I think, you know, that's the, the burden of us as the disciples, as the followers of Jesus is, is to simplify things and to bring definitions so people know what we mean. Um, and we're not just losing people with, with what, what some might say religious ter- terminal, terminology. Um, there, I think these are very helpful, important words, but not if we don't bring the definition into them. Um, and then lastly there, uh, grace. Um, grace is not a, um, a safety net for sin. Um, it's God's power to do God's will. Um, Paul says it's a trainer in righteousness. It actually teaches us to turn from ungodliness and to, to, to turn to, um, righteousness. So, uh, you know, we can look at several examples. We can embed to, to really get a fullness of this, um, what grace is. You can go back to the story of Noah. Um, you know, Noah finds grace, um, you know, in, 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 or favor, uh, in God's eyes. And, and how does that play out? And how do we begin to understand, uh, this? You know, in Romans, Paul talks about that, um, uh, sin reigns in death and, um, grace reigns in life. And so, Anyway, those are just helpful things that we do. And then ultimately, salvation, um, if we want to simplify it, we are salvaged to be human. Um, now, this might sound a little odd at first, um, but because of how we've been conditioned, um, if I were to say the statement, you know, let's say I, I maybe Glenn and myself were were working on something and I, I messed up, um, I, I Maybe I, I didn't do it right. And I turned to Glenn and I said, well, Glenn, I mean, what do you expect? I'm only human, right, is usually what follows after that. Um, and so the concept of the thought is that, well, what it means to be human is to make mistakes. Uh, if you're human, it means you're prone to make mistakes. But that's that's not the Bible's view of what humanity is. Um, the Bible's view, uh, humanity starts on page one in the creation story. Um, God blesses humanity and tells them to be fruitful and to multiply and to, to fill the earth. So so sin is actually a subhuman um, condition. It's something that enters into the story, enters into um, the human, um, the, the, uh, the humanity uh, and the earth and 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 brings a problem. Um, but it's a subhuman condition. And that's why Jesus I mean, this that we can go off into so many different trails here thinking about the incarnation. Jesus coming in the flesh to be human, to show us what humanity can do when it's fully surrendered um, to the Father. Um, that's what it means to be human. Jesus is like, I'm here to show you what human, what's lost in Adam is regained in, in Christ. It, what, so where, where Adam failed, Jesus succeeded. Where Israel failed, Jesus succeeded. He's the resolution to the human problem and shows us, hey, there's a new humanity. This is what new creation is. We can put off the old man and rise up a new man clothed in Christ. And this new humanity is is what it truly means um, to be human, to be created. And that sin is a subhuman um, uh, condition. And so uh, anyway, those are uh, some things that we we try to, to do throughout it. And then uh, understanding that gospel is not synonymous with salvation. Um Gospel is not synonymous with salvation. What does that mean? Well, the, the salvation flows from 
the gospel. Um, they're not synonymous. They are very closely related. They're very closely linked. Um, but one flows from the other. They're not completely um, synonymous. Salvation is, um, as I said before, it is a, a means to an end. It's a byproduct of what the, the good news proclamation of Jesus's kingship is, is doing, um, but it's not synonymous with it. It's helpful in Uganda because uh, it's a culture that has um, kings. Um, they 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 don't have any political power anymore, but they still um, they still utilize um, their kings there, and they they have uh, high respect and regard for them. And it wasn't long, you know, all that too far back in in history, where in Uganda you you still have tribes, um, but you would have had uh, wars between rival tribes and and kingdoms. And, and so this concept of thinking about kingship and, and how salvation is, is offered, you know, if you have one tribe fighting against a, another tribe and let's say the, the Baganda, that's the major tribe in Uganda and there's another tribe called the Basoga. And so if you have the Baganda and the Basoga fighting one another and the Baganda, um, capture, um, some, a few of the Basoga soldiers and, and bring them, um, into their territory, um, who has the authority to offer to to pardon them and to grant them salvation to spare their lives. Well, the king does, um, and the king is only going to offer that on his terms. Um, and the terms are going to be repent, show your loyalty to me. If you want to to be a recipient of the goodness of this kingdom, and you want me to spare your life, you're going to have to show your loyalty to me, which means turning away any allegiance that you had to your former king and kingdom and people and showing your allegiance and loyalty to me and my kingdom and my people and and allow my laws to to govern you and that's very similar to what the the call of the gospel is as we turn away from satan sin in this world and the dominion uh the kingdom of darkness and 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 pledge our allegiance uh into Jesus's kingdom to be uh good citizens so once again just to recap there that the Jesus road to salvation is a call to repent a call to righteousness, a call to be perfect or complete. It's a narrow way and few will find it. Obedience is life and love. Uh, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's a call to lose your life, come to Jesus and learn, sacrifice to gain and take up your cross and follow Jesus and then baptism to cleanse and enter the kingdom. Um, maybe I'll... Pause there. I, I, I could probably go on and on. Um, I, I, I love talking about this stuff. Um, it, it, it excites me. Um, I've had a, a joy over the last several years, um, working in, in, in East Africa and, uh, working with several people to, to develop, um, this curriculum. And it, like I said, it's still a work in process, um, because there's been a lot of interest in, uh, others who have wanted to, to take a look at it. So now there's a burden to, to be able to make it accessible and scale because it is very, it's mainly meant. I've got, um, I have a zip drive, um, and, and we just finished a, a workbook for it, the C2NC creation to new creation workbook for it, which has been a great tool, um, to be able to, um, for the students to be able to have something that they can, I mean, you know, they had a notebook, but to be able to have something that has illustrations, they can kind of keep it at something, something that they can review. Um, but it's very still teacher, um, based with, with a discussion. And so I want to figure out a way, uh, with a team of people to be able to say, Hey, how can we take this 
and be able to um, uh, make it accessible so people have access to it and um, they can they can utilize it and hopefully it can be be a blessing to to others. All right. Well, uh, thank you, brother, uh, for that presentation. It was uh, very inspiring and enlightening. I love to hear about uh, these kinds of teaching tools that are <clears throat> helping people connect the gospel to their <clears throat> personal life. I I like the illustration you use to help people see the whole story, the whole perspective, and uh, how the Old Testament is part of this bigger picture of God's story involving mankind. I really um, appreciate that emphasis. So we talked about um, using this as an indirect tool for evangelism before, and um, I can see um, lots of potential in it, and I'm excited to get my hands on it one day. So we have several indigenous communities around us here in Ontario, and I would love to see our people be able to make connections within those communities and uh, and, and be able to offer a course to go through with them um, to learn, you know, so a lot of these people have, you know, picked up sort of pieces of the story of Jesus along the way, or maybe have a, a, a wrong concept of, of the story or of the gospel, but I would love a tool like this. And, and do you see that as something that we could use for that, or maybe even um, another setting that can't, comes to mind is like a prison setting going through with, with prisoners. Is that, is this something that would be very useful for those kinds of situations? Yeah, I, I, I think it's definitely um, something that could be utilized um, in, in various types of, of uh, settings. Mm-hmm. Um, just it, it, I mean, a lot of it is, is going to be on, one one of the things i mean it's very you 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 have to know the 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 person who's who's leading out on it you you really do have to to have a good handle on on the scriptures um it's not a substitute for um you know having the bible right there with you like you 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 there's there's a lot of text to read through there's a lot of um stories yeah you know, obviously it does help if you're dealing with an audience that has um at least a, a general overview of the various stories and different covenants throughout the Bible, it, it makes it um, a little bit easier um, versus depending on your setting. If you're dealing with some with maybe a group of people that have no context, no idea what what is Genesis, what is Exodus, you know, you're going to have to you're going to have to slow down a little bit. So the, the pace of it is one of those things where it has the potential. You could go through it rather quick with people and and be able to to get a lot out of it um ver- and then depending on your study you may have to go a bit slow and i found that actually the times i've had to go really slow i learn a whole lot much so much more because i'm not just skipping over things so um so yeah I, I i hope that it can be a tool that we can develop and and people can utilize in in different settings to uh to enhance uh what they're already doing the ministries that they're already involved in um, it's, I, I think it can be a helpful tool in the tool bag with other tools. All right. Well, thank you for that. Um, so at this point, I'll open it up for any other people to come on here and uh, comment or ask uh, more questions. Brother Charlton, uh, you really have uh, spelled out the kingdom in some very fascinating detail. I really enjoyed this presentation. Uh, I think we have to understand that uh, God's purpose in the Old Testament was to demonstrate what a nation looks like whose God is the Lord. 
and that is the tie to the New Testament. He still wants to demonstrate that in a corporate uh, uh, reality. Uh, I really like your point there that uh, salvation is salvage to be human. I have long said that the self that God calls us to deny is not our true self. It's an imposter that's parading uh, uh, to to, demonstrate, to show people who we are, and it's not what God intended. And uh, when that imposter is finally cast out, God can really demonstrate then in our lives who he intended for us to be. I really like that point, salvage to be human. Yes. Good morning, Charlton. It's, been, it's good to be here with you today and hear this. Um, first time I'm on here, a second time, but uh, when I saw your uh, title, it excited me me, giving just a brief background of our lives, um, I was first exposed to the idea of Genesis, preaching the gospel from Genesis way back in the late 80s uh, when we lived in Canada, and it was through New Tribes Missions. We had the old field manuals, which now is being produced as from creation to Christ, and also Ken Ham came out at that point when he came out with that little book called Genesis Solution that that thought and those concepts were given to me and excited me from that point on. I also use this also as a way of teaching my children. But uh, leaping forward here, we can't go through the whole journey, but the last four years, my wife and I have spent uh, a lot of time in Greece teaching Muslims. So, <clears throat> and I just want to affirm what you're doing. I, I can, I so identify with that because when we tried to teach these Muslims who knew nothing of Christ, we had to go back, and I did, to go back to Genesis. And, and, and I had to tell those stories all the way through before, because the question we had to answer a, a group, people group that had no, um, concept of Christ. Why Jesus? You're, so you're, you're, you have to break that down through that whole, uh, Old Testament, which is the, one continuous story. So I, I just, I, I, and as we got to up to the New Testament, I, we, the struggle we had was many people say, well, I'll just believe. And so, you know, for the Muslims, they are taught not to believe that Jesus is the son of God. So some of these would come to us and say, um, we believe that Jesus is the son of God. And one of the pressures we had over there very briefly was, when somebody believed, then we needed to baptize them. And I pushed back on that. I'm not there. And the question was, how do you know that are they, where are they? And my question had to be to them, are you willing to forsake Islam and embrace Christ and follow him, even if it means death? Mm. I had to. And so someone would come and say, yes, I believe, but I'm not willing to leave Islam. It starts separating the, uh, this um the mix and and this was we taught and i would i would actually teach from the uh uh the beatitudes and go through matthew 5 and all that that just separated uh so much because uh they they started seeing what it would cost them to Mm. follow christ and many said well i want to follow christ but i'm not ready i can't i i have to deal with something so very briefly here um, I, I can so identify, I think, with your with your journey. But I just like to say this: that um, we 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 would come home from Greece. I'm excited about the, the teachings that we have here, 
But, you know, brothers, we, we need these teachings. We need these foundations in, in our churches because we are starting to face what is called a post-truth culture. And many things that I thought was a solid belief in our churches are being eroded in the foundations. And so we can also use these stories consistently for evangelism. Go Wherever you go to prisons, wherever you go, you start telling these stories and, and connecting these dots to lay the foundation for, for what, um, for our beliefs, if I can just say it that way for now. And, and so it, this works so well in any situation. And I, I just like to say this and I, I want to be quiet, but this, when you take these stories, um, uh, one of the things that happened for us in our experience with the Muslims was that they did not have accurate understanding of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. To tell these stories and give these facts is so vital. That's why it takes so long. And I understand that. It took us so long to get through because we had to lay out the important facts before we could connect the dots for them. So when you're working with a pagan mindset, if I can say it that way, you have to, they have to understand the, the biblical stories and concepts and the truth of that. And those dots slowly start coming together and you see people responding, either rejecting it or going on to follow Christ. And so, so I like to just testify today that I'm, we're staying, for us, the boldness in my life today to take the gospel is much stronger today because of our experiences that we've had today, because we do have a story to tell that, in, that, that encapsulates a Christ and the kingdom of God. Amen. Hey, Charles, I'd like to get a copy of that. Glenn has my information. I'd like to um, purchase the guide in the zip drive if possible. You got a simple, dumbed down, common man approach to witnessing, and I like it. All right. Anybody else yet before we bring this to a close? Well, I just want to say, Brother Charlton, thank you so much for for sharing this morning. I really, really appreciated it. Um, You said this is that you love talking about this. It gets you excited, and I can tell that, and and it gets me excited too. Seeing um, Jesus' gospel, the good news that Jesus is King, being just really, really tied into this whole biblical story, and and I'm really excited about the possibility of of. Yeah, getting our hands on some of this, some of your material you, you're working on. So like Patrick said, Patrick is asking for it. Um, uh, do you have any sort of, yeah, any, you, you didn't give any time when you think this will be, you'll be releasing it. Do you have any, are you, are you giving it out in a, um, beta form or anything like that? Or are you, you, um, are you going to wait till a certain date to release things? Uh, now that's a, that's a great question. Um, right before I left Uganda, we actually just printed, um, our first round of the, the workbook. We've been, we've been using it, um, for years. It's kind of been a, a developing over, over the years there in, in various forms. And we're kind of, I think, getting it to, a, a hopefully, a um, somewhat of a, a finished point. I'm sure it's probably going to be one of those ongoing things, but, um, but we just printed our first round of, of workbooks, um, right before I left Kampala in, uh, November, um, just this past, past November, a couple months ago. 
Um, so I have a handful of, of workbooks right now. They're still u- utilizing it there at the resource center um, there in Kampala. Um, but I'm hoping, yeah, I'm hoping it's something uh, this year, uh, if possible, to, yeah, like you said, even if it's just a, a beta version here in the U.S. that can be uh, utilized and send it out to a handful of people to be working with and even get some input and say, hey, you know, uh, offer up some thoughts, ideas, suggestions, edits, and, um, you know, help us to get it to uh, a point of uh, of completion, at least to some degree, so that it can be more accessible. Yes, I just have one question. So if someone wanted to follow up with you later um, to check, see if it's something is available, how would we, how would we do that? Um, is that, is there some way to do that? Yeah, maybe I can just respond to that. Uh, we're going to be putting it on the strength to strength uh, website uh, as soon as it's available with the link to where you can make it, uh, make it yours. And there's, there's also, um, I mean, if you're interested in, we do have at least, we're putting up a few PDF guides on our Uganda website. Um, I can give you, do you want me to send that website to you, Glenn, then people can access it or should I mention it here? That'd be excellent. Yeah. Send it to me. We'll get that on our website as well. Okay, great. All right. Well, if there isn't uh, anything else, anyone else uh, wanting to ask a question yet, we'll probably wrap this up. Charlton, as you interact with people who have that Romans Road gospel, do you find them opening up to this concept or do you find them pushing back against it? I would say it's been a, a mixture of, of both. Um, there's been a, a fair amount of, you know, pushback. And part of it depends on how Calvinistic their doctrine is um, from the outset. Um, if, if there's somebody that has a very strong Calvinistic, um, you know, uh, uh, doctrine or, or mindset, they, they, pr- they pretty strongly uh, push back. Uh, quite a bit. If it's somebody who has been more, um, maybe been in those circles or came in through that process or, you know, they, but they, but they don't really maybe have a strong grounding in their own theology. It's just what they've grown up in and around. Um, and they're, they're not, you know, embedded in some way. Um, then they, they have a lot more openness or reception to actually sit down and look at everything and, and to ask the right questions and be like, Oh, wow, maybe I am looking at this um in an in you know incorrectly or inaccurately. So yeah, mixed. I encountered a new one the other day. Uh somebody said, yeah, the gospel of the kingdom was preached by Peter, but Paul preached the gospel of grace. There were actually two gospels, one for the Jews and one for the Gentiles. <laughs> so it's amazing what people come up with. Yeah. It is. Wow. I just had one question. Are you familiar with, like, CAM has their um, biblical foundations material there? Um, i trying to remember what it's called. And obviously you mentioned the new tribes or the, the um, someone did there. Um, I went through their creation of Christ stuff a while back. 
Um, I talked with another fellow that had an ETE, like eternity, eternity thing he was working on. Are you familiar with some of the other ones that are out there? It seems like a growing thing that people are recognizing me for. Uh, I am not. I'm actually not very familiar with the creation to, to Christ curriculum or the um, the other one that you mentioned there. Um, I'd have to go check them out and look at them, but I, I don't, I'm not very familiar with either of those. Very good. Well, um, I guess we'll bring this to a close. It's after quarter after seven. So uh, why don't we ask you, Brother Charlton, to lead us in closing prayer yet? All right. <clears throat> Let's pray. Well, gracious Father in heaven, Lord, we are just so humbled and thankful uh, at your goodness. Father, that, that you have loved us and demonstrated your love towards us um, in the person of Jesus. And Father, we we just want to pray that we can, with our whole hearts, um, love and serve you, um, that we can truly manifest uh, the life of heaven here on earth, here and now, to the world around us, that we can be everything that you've called us to be in Christ. And Father, we, we just thank you that you have um, rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into uh, the kingdom of the son of your love and and you've given us everything that we need for life and godliness and and father we just pray that that we can all be effective in our churches and our ministries and our discipleship and and evangelism endeavors as we seek to see many sons and daughters brought into the kingdom father i pray that you would send out more laborers into the harvest help us to be able to uh, to be effective in in um and what you've called us to uh, be with each of these these brothers here uh, in all the different places uh, that are on this call. Pray that their days would be um, blessed and uh, that you would just uh, go before each of us uh, and and help us to uh, be able to complete whatever tasks we have today and that we can do them to uh, to the fullest and be able to uh, be able to bring uh, grace impart grace to those around us, Father. Lord, we, we ask for your kingdom to come, your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks again, brother, for allowing yourself to be used in this way and presenting this to us and also for your hard work on this project. God bless you abundantly for that. So, yeah, next uh, event will be in two weeks, and uh, it's going to be entitled... Uh, Patriotic Ambassadors Reclaiming Responsibility, and uh, uh, Zach Johnson has agreed to share this with us, so we're looking forward to that. All right, well, God bless each one of you as you um, enter into this day, and uh, God go with you. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend.